Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Are you ready to talk about our movie? Let's do it, bro. So we are in our second week of our stages of life theme, and we are in our young adult slash college era. And to represent this stage of life, we are watching Goodwill Hunting. This movie is 25 years old, so we are going to be doing full spoilers. But if you don't want to hear us talk about this movie at all, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 17 minutes, 43 seconds. Have you seen this movie before? I have a couple times. Have you? Okay. This is one of those movies where I have stopped or I have started and stopped this movie about four separate times. Oh, jeez. I usually, <laughs> I don't think I've ever made it past the part where he gets arrested. So oh, I don't so even make never it got to the to Robin, Robin Williams, Williams part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, for context for the audience, he never made it 30 minutes into the movie because Robin Williams is a delayed entry. It's like yeah. end of first so, act. So the plot of this movie is Matt Damon is a janitor at Harvard. And MIT. MIT? Yeah. They they mentioned both schools in the movie. Yeah, because, I mean, they're both in Boston, and his girlfriend goes to Harvard. But he's a janitor at okay. MIT. Yeah, so he's a janitor at MIT, and he's a genius. Like, one of those reads a, reads a single high theory textbook in a night and then can recite it all back to you he's mike in suits pretty much and there's he basically gets discovered by a math professor and he's like and the math professor is like i want you to be my student i want to take you under my wing i want to mentor you and give you opportunities to excel in mathematics except he, matt damon's character Gets arrested for punching a cop. Yep. And so in order for him to not go to jail, he needs to see a therapist. And after bouncing off of a few therapists. Like abrasively. It's a kind of like a 15 minute part of the movie is him meeting with three different therapists and messing with them and just wasting their time before they get to Robin Williams. And so when Robin Williams' character gets brought in, he kind of like, I don't know if he specializes in it, but he has a way to handle said abrasive patient. Well, they're also from and the so same the, spot. Like They're both from South yeah. Boston. So he knows like the kind of character that comes out of that neighborhood. So the movie is Robin Williams' character trying to help Matt Damon's character achieve therapy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for a couple of reasons, uh, so Matt Damon doesn't go back to jail. So Matt Damon can go out and basically be the mathematical genius that he is. Although he's a genius in multiple fields, he reads every high level textbook, period. Organic chemistry is one of them that he gets touched on. He just knows this stuff. Um, it's just that math has the most opportunities for him. He likes math the most, etc. Yeah. So and the professor that's working with him um won the Fields Medal with this extremely prestigious thing. It's like the Nobel Prize for Mathematics. It's only awarded once every four years. It's a big deal. And Matt Damon makes this guy look like a rookie. Um, so that professor is trying to basically get Matt Damon to go as far as humanly possible and advance mathematics as a whole. Um, and he can't do it without Robin Williams because this kid is unbearable to be around. He embarrasses everybody. Yeah. And so the whole point of... I don't want to say the whole point, but kind of the backbone to Matt Damon's character and what we learn through his therapy sessions is he was abandoned as a kid. He was orphaned. He bounced from foster home to foster home. And now he pushes people away. So he so those people do not get an opportunity to abandon him. Right. Yeah. However, he does so in, like you said, an incredibly abrasive, antagonistic humor as a defense mechanism style. And let me tell you, that got old fast. Yeah, that I mean, a lot of fast. it revolves around him trying to have a relationship with what appears to be his first long-term girlfriend. And it gets to a level where she wants to take it to the next level um, and start Meet saying, like, family. I love you and let's move together. And he can't take it. It is terrifying to him. And she knows it's terrifying to him. And she's not scared off by it. She's like, don't worry. Like, you're not going to say anything 
to me that's going to make me stop loving you. And that even makes it worse. <laughs> He's yes. like, what do you want to know? All these horrible things about me. And she goes, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I don't care that you have lied to me this entire time. Like that doesn't bother me. And that's terrifying to him. So he just breaks it off essentially. But this whole maneuvering relationships in general is what him and Robin Williams talk about for the majority of the movie. And so, and this is the movie that kind of kickstarted both Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's relationship or not relationship, but, um, uh, stardom, you know, it's kickstarted their careers. Yeah. They because, wrote this movie. Yeah. Um, they both wrote the movie, Matt Damon stars in it. Uh, Ben Affleck is a supporting character. And so <laughs> it's very heavily Boston influenced. And it's one of those movies where Matt Damon and Ben Affleck f- are famously from Boston and it shows in this movie. I mean, like, it's a good first movie. movie. I mean, a lot of people tell you to write what you know. And they were both going to Harvard together. And I think they both dropped out. But they both went to Harvard together and they wrote this together. So it was like it was very familiar. They're both from the area. They're both in the Ivy League sphere. So then once they wrote this, they had to go shop it around to a bunch of people and basically be like, hey, here's what we came up with. And they were nobodies. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm just saying like you... People that aren't from Boston would not have been able to write this movie. Right. There's, there's too many nuances that it would go over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. Um, overall, I think the acting in this movie is good. I, do you have like the awards page pulled up or anything? Because uh, n- No, but it's impressive. I can get it here in a second. So this movie got nominated for nine Oscars, which is a big number. When the people who wrote it were nobodies the year before. Um, and it won two of them. And they got an Oscar. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck got an Oscar for Best Writing, Screenplay Written Directly for the Screen. Best Writers. And then Robin Williams uh, won for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. I, I think just in general, this is good acting. I don't know if I would have... I don't know if I would have nominated anything for acting awards. But I mean, Robin Williams got nominated and won. Matt Damon got nominated yeah. and lost. Minnie Driver, which plays his girlfriend, got nominated and lost. So that's three acting that you got there. And so I will, I will always go to bat for Robin Williams. If he, if somebody wants to give him an Oscar for anything, I say go for it. Right. Um, Matt Damon, for this being his breakout role, is very good. Like it's impressive, straight up, genuinely for sure. And you it's can also genuinely like impressive when you know who Matt. Everyone knows who Matt Damon is now. When you realize just how young he is in this movie, it's also pretty impressive. I'm like, dude, this is your first time? What the heck? So I agree with the maybe the nominated but not one. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if it comes down to the writing of the character or the portrayal of the character. It honestly could be either. But I did not have much reason to root for this guy until the last 15 minutes of the movie. Because when you have an abrasive character that you're supposed to root for, I feel like we did not get enough of his redeemable qual we didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel outside of his intelligence i did not see an emotional goal for him and there were there were some moments where he's with his girlfriend when he when she's like i can't go out tonight i need to finish this project he steps outside finishes the project comes back in and says i couldn't wait until tomorrow let's hang out tonight and gives her the homework for her. Like there, there are cute moments in this movie. I just feel like there weren't enough of them and they weren't strong enough to justify all the jerkedness and still have me root for him. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, but I completely disagree. So, okay. I think as far as the arc that you're looking for, um, the movie concludes with you being like, that is his arc. He's trying now. Like therapy worked in the last 10 minutes. But I think a lot of it is like very slow progress. Because in the beginning, he's not, he's arguing with every therapist. And then he pisses off Robin Williams. And then they spend the next two sessions not talking at all. And then they have an open dialogue about Robin Williams' life, but doesn't want to talk about his own. And then they talk about what Matt Damon can achieve. And then they get deeper into his relationships. And then they get deeper into why he's like that. So I think a lot of it is just like character development and the fact that it's real therapy is like over dozens of sessions 
it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And then only after all that, can you expect something to change? Like, it's very obvious that Matt Damon is a certain way and he has no idea why he's like that. But everybody else knows. Because there's a scene where it's him and Ben Affleck on a construction site. And Ben Affleck's like, dude, if I had half the brains you did, I would have been out of here whenever I got the chance. I would have been out of here yesterday. Why are you sticking around? And Matt Damon's like, what do you, why would you want me to leave? Like, it, everyone knows he's too smart for this except for him. So, like, him finally realizing this is the arc. As far as, like, his romantic relationship, I think there was just so many relationships that this guy's trying to juggle that we, we this wasn't a romance, so we didn't just focus on that. But, I mean, all of those yes. scenes, there's a lot of implied. We got to see them meet. We got to see their first date. Then we got to see a second date, and then it jumps a couple months. You get to see her meeting his friends, then it jumps a couple months. Then you can see her inviting him out to California. So really, you only see her yeah. like five or six times. And half of those are like and, over the phone. And so I'm not so upset that we didn't get to see the romantic relationship. That's fine. I also feel like he wasn't contributing to his friendships either. And it would have been nice to see some of that as well. Because every time we see him with Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck's character is like four times a better friend than Matt Damon's character is the whole time. And I just, I wish I had, I had the opportunity to see this character care about the people he genuinely does care about. Because there's a, there's a scene that Robin Williams is talking to Stellan Skarsgård character, who is the math professor. And, He's like, he tells all of us off and he's just like that. But the reason why he sticks by his friends is because they are incredibly loyal. They would beat us both down with a bat if he asked them to nicely. And I kind of wish I had seen more of the relationship that warranted that kind of loyalty because I understand why he is loyal to them. I don't understand why they're loyal to him. He's just kind of there. Yeah, but I kind of get it. A lot of it is just like just being there for each other. I mean, the dude got sent to jail instead of them. Yeah, that's and true. And they were all that together. That is true. And he didn't rat on his friends. So like a lot of it was just like he was not the main character in that friend group, but like they were all equals. So it was one of those things I didn't need to see him be a nice guy. I didn't need to see him stick up for his friends. I'm just like, oh, they travel together. They hang out every single day after work. They'll go home, get changed. Ben Affleck will go pull outside of his house, pick him up. We're hitting the bars. We're doing this every night. So like, I didn't need to see a lot of how their friendship worked because like, you get introduced with them all going out. And then the dude, Ben Affleck goes, "I'm that's the dude. That's the guy who embarrassed me at the bar or whatever. And Matt Damon's like, all right, let's go. And it gets to the point where Matt Damon, I mean, Ben Affleck turns to his friend, goes, if you're not getting out of this car and fighting like the rest of us, when I get back here, I'm beating you up. And then all four of them leave the car and just whoop on a guy because Ben Affleck said so. And Matt Damon's the only one who gets in trouble. So it was one of those like ride or die, just like this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to go beat up people together. And that's just how we're going to do this. And that is them saying, I love you. We'll be together and we're going to stick up for each other. So that was kind of the only scene that warranted that. But I, I kind of got it. I'm like, oh, these are just guys who've known each other for a long time. And that warrants sticking up for each other. And that might just be it, especially since we find out that Matt Damon is actually an orphan. He doesn't have any family and is he doesn't have any parents. And the foster homes he was in were abusive. So these are literally the only people in his life. Yeah, this movie is all about character arcs. You have to be invested in, at the very least, Matt Damon's character. If you don't care about Matt Damon's you know, character within the first, like, th- I would say you have to go at least one session with Robin Williams. If you can't do the first session with Robin Williams and Matt Damon, then quit the rest of the movie because this thing is not for you. Yeah, um, I would. I, this is not relevant at all, but it is weird how, what's the actress's name who got the nomination, played the girlfriend? Oh, Minnie. Minnie, yeah. I, I'm not saying, we're, we're kind of going back to a West Side Story situation where like, I'm not saying she didn't deserve the supporting actor nomination, but that character wasn't on screen a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just a matter of they wanted they need they wanted to give, you know, an actress 
uh, the supporting nomination, and she is the only one in the movie. And she's good. Like I don't <laughs> she know is. what she is what good. other movies they were going up against, but she did a good job. She just wasn't in a lot of it. Um, yeah. And in Matt Damon's so, defense, he lost Best Actor to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> um, and they went on to make The Departed together. So, but I mean, like it was just one of those things. I'm like, okay, man, that's fair. You know, this is also the same year that Titanic got nominated. So I bet you all the things Good Will Hunting didn't win probably lost it to Titanic. So you know, call it a wash. Yeah. Um, I think I want to give this one like a. I'm going to say like a 6.75. Okay, this is a 9 for me. Okay. The dialogue in this movie is very cool. It's written very naturally. These conversations are real and they flow and they feel human. And that is impressive and it's cool and it's engaging. It's just the characters were a little rough around the edges for me and I didn't super vibe with it. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I liked it, is it felt so real. And even though the situation is like once in a lifetime, like this is never going to happen, where like a genius is a janitor. I mean, it's totally possible. Um, There are stories of people who know like dozens of languages and are just like mechanics because they don't want to do anything with it. And they're just something they were passionate about. So like it's possible. Um, It's just weird to see because it doesn't feel real. But like the characters are engaging. The dialogue is incredible. I mean, Robin Williams is amazing in this role. Matt Damon yeah. and Ben Affleck, because this is so true to how their real life's like environment is, it w- I feel like it wasn't too hard of a stretch to tap into these characters, especially since they wrote them for themselves. So yes. I'm sure yeah. it felt even more natural that way. Um, I don't think there was a single bad casting call in this joint. I think everybody did a great job. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a nine for me. I think the only reason it's not a 10, um, is because there's, I would have liked it to be longer cause I'm just a long movie guy and there are certain things I prefer in movies. I like complex plots and this isn't very complex. It's just interesting and engaging. So it's not like a tenant mm-hmm. prestige dark night. It's not complex, but it is engaging. So I'm giving it a nine. 100% would recommend IMDb has it in like 80 something of the top 100 movies of all time. It's very yeah. good. Definitely must see. All right. Well, we're going to welcome back our non-movie listeners and we're going to hop into our improv segment. Alex, about, I think, 70 episodes ago, we did a segment for the life of me, can't remember what it's called, and I don't care enough to have you look it up. Um, it was a segment about like being fortune tellers and getting each other's fortunes, whatever. I'm revising it, and this segment is called Fortune Seller. Okay, All it right, was normally... mediums with large balls, in case you're wondering. <laughs> God, I don't... Having a video podcast would be difficult, but it's moments like this where I wish we did, just so you could see my reaction when Alex reminded me that the segment was, in fact, called Medium with Large Balls. Um, anyway, but like I said, we're did you want to change the name or do you want to keep it? <laughs> keep it. No, we're rebranding. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, I'm calling it fortune seller. Um, uh, in history throughout media, various fortune tellers are known to be kind of scammy. Um, you know, they'll take you for what you're worth and they're, they might not necessarily give you a good product. And this is kind of the same vibe, except with, um, a much more modern monetary, uh, (laughs) motivation to this. So the way I have it in my mind is I am your fortune teller. And I, I just need a, I need to, it's like a pyramid scheme of fortune telling. Oh, so you need me to go out and become a fortune teller? <laughs> so just the scene is you're trying to get your fortune read by me and I'm trying to squeeze you for all your worth. Okay. Okay. Um, hi, uh, my name's Alex. My friend actually recommended I come here. Um, I don't know how you normally start these or. Oh, yes, yes, um, uh, uh, yes, um, take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. Sure. Okay, um, oh, I do need to let you know that the chair that you just sat in, the chair that you just sat in, um, that is, uh, that's, um, our VIP chair, and by sitting in it, I do have to add an extra $2 onto the end of your bill just to make sure that, you know, uh, the chair is compensated for what it's worth and everything like that. Is that okay? Is that okay? Well, it's, it has to be okay because you've already sat in it. Oh, um, okay. Uh, it's just $2. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So what I need you to do is I need you to take out your hands. Just just hold your hands out for me okay, if that's like okay. This. Yep. 
Yeah. All right, now I'm going to grab your hands. And, ooh, these are these are a little rough. Do you mind if I um, – can I just put a little bit of lotion on your on your hands real quick just to kind of make this a smoother process? Yeah, I mean, if it helps the process, we can go ahead and do that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you want, like, a lavender? We have mint. We have vanilla. Oh, um, definitely vanilla. Like vanilla? Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Okay, um, just, like, a, uh, a dollop here, a dollop here. Sure. Oh, and I should let you know, um, the lotion is $3 a dollop. And uh, you I did can't two? really put it back in the bottle. Yeah, um, and I so can't I'm really put it back right in the now? bottle. We haven't even done anything. I know, I know, but it's all for the experience. It's all for the experience. Now, I'm going to grab your hands once more, okay? Now, um, uh, ask me ask me what question you are here to seek. Um, is my dad my real dad? Is your dad your real dad? Okay. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting C. I'm getting C. Is your dad Carl? Is Carl your dad's name? No. No, it's not. Okay. Okay, well... Um, in order for me to guess another name, I am going to need another 75 cents but added to see, the... here's the thing. You got it wrong. I could just tell you. We don't need to play this guessing game. Also, I feel like you should know. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's on me. That's my bad. That's my... You know what? I'm going to give you a 33 cent discount on the bill at the end because you're right. You're right. Okay, so let's kind of get back into it. We need to channel the spirit once more. Okay. All right. Um, your dad, who you mentioned, your na- her, uh, your dad's name, David. No. And- uh, also, okay. not, not quite. Uh- okay, okay. Then who who do you think your dad's name is? Hank. Hank, 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 Hank. Right. Hank, Hanky Panky, Tom Hanks, Hank me in the stank. Now, what I'm hearing is that you don't think Hank is, you know, your real dad. What makes you think this? Um, uh, There's a lot of stuff in my childhood I don't remember. Um, And none of my siblings can really fill in the blanks for me. Okay. Okay, so this is actually something that I do specialize in. I can draw buried memories for $25 a memory. I mean, sure. That's fine. Okay, is there a specific time period you're looking for? Um, uh, anything like that? Let's do like kindergarten age, like five. Ki- Kindergarten age. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. All right. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hands on kind of like your temple, and I just need you to breathe deeply, okay? Just breathe. Close your eyes. Focus. And and I'm looking into your kindergarten age, and I am seeing you in kindergarten class. Does that ring any bells? I mean, I I don't think anybody remembers kindergarten, but also my dad wasn't there. I I need that age. Like when, what does he look like? Was that my dad? All right. Well, you weren't that specific, so it's going to be another twenty-five dollars. Well, here's the, the next memory, but we're you gonna know go why back I'm into... here, right? You know what I'm looking for, right? So why would I need to be in school, dude? I didn't know if he was like one of those volunteers that helped out around. So you assumed his... he was a volunteer. You think more than fifty percent chance he was a volunteer? I thought there was at least a fifteen percent chance. So and you're going to gamble $25 on a 15% chance? I'm gambling your $25, yes. Listen, man, I don't know if this is right for me. I I might just, it might okay, just be smart you know to take a, you know, DNA test or something. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay, we have we have one last method that uh, that I can do for you, all right? I can, I can read, I can read your leaves, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour you this cup of tea, all right? And mm. uh, I just need you to pour... Pour this tea onto this tea leaf, and then the images that are that's left on the leaf residue will tell me whether or not Hank is your father or not. Okay, sure. Okay, um, I'll just take that leaf from you, and yeah, okay, I know. Okay, well, is he? Oh, oh, in order. Here's the thing: is I'm kind of also an information broker, so I'm gonna need you to kind of be the highest bidder on this piece of information. I already got Hank Dad material going at seventy five bucks on eBay. Well, who's buying? Um, Who would be interested in that information? Well, the account name is Taylor D's Nuts ninety six. I don't have any more information than that. You know what? Whatever. That's fine. That person could know. I, I just need a closure, and I guess I'll just never get it. So, okay. I guess this is a waste of time, and thank you mm-hmm. for stealing my money. Actually, no problem. Now that I think about it, oh, I want my money back. Cock gun. 
All right. Um, so thank you for turning me into a felon, apparently. <laughs> this went from a ripoff to a crime. Fact. Yeah. Can you imagine? This is why this is why on the Craigslist website they always say make sure you bring someone to the transaction. Yeah. Hey man. <laughs> they uh some police departments will have like a designated parking spot when you're meeting someone for the first time so that you can just do it in front of the department and not have to like <laughs> chance it in a dark target parking lot. Okay, but imagine <laughs> Imagine being like a Craigslist seller and being like, yeah, where do you want to meet up? The police station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, okay, I've got nothing to hide, but I guess if that's what makes you comfortable. Yeah, it would be weird. It would definitely be weird. But what else are you guys supposed to do, you know? You can't just call the cops and be like, hey, I'm doing a sketchy deal. Can you show up just in case? <laughs> Yeah, cops love it when you call them and say you're doing a sketchy deal. That's actually a really good way to start a police conversation. Also, you're asking for a favor. It's like, hey, can you do me a solid? (laughs) It's not an emergency or anything. I just just would like some backup over here. Oh, God. Um, Imagine that being like a first date suggestion. Like, hey, um, I was thinking that maybe... We go see a movie, we could pick up some fast food afterwards, and then we could just kind of like, you know, hang out in front of the police station. Right. I mean. We could throw rocks at the window. Yeah, dude. That'd be weird. They'd be like, oh, does your dad work here? No. Does anyone in your family here work here? No. Are you a cop? No. Then why are we here? (laughs) I'm observing them. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm starting a documentary. Alex, what's our middle segment? Our middle segment is something we haven't done in a very long time, Craig. From episode 10, Megamind, we're bringing back Podcast Libs, the Mad Lib version. Oh, wow. Okay. Of our podcast. I've pulled three unique segments of words, and I'm going to give them to Craig. He's going to have to fill in the blanks, and then I will reveal what he's actually filled in the blanks for. I will give you the Segments genre. of words is an interesting way to say that he's probably given me a dictator's speech. But this, I will tell you, these are all lyrics. You're creating a remix to all these songs. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds okay. good. Okay. So, I'm going to need a noun. You're going to need a noun, tiger. Okay. And can I get another noun, please? Plural. Plural? Yes. Grapes. Beautiful. And can I get a state of mind? Anger. Okay. And can I get a random word? Penelope. Okay. And uh, can I get a verb, please? Um. Yeah, that verb is obviously, I didn't even have to think about it, how obvious it is. That yeah. verb is, what's the word? Oh, I lost the word. Oh, it was going to be so funny, too. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, stride. Stride. Uh, I need a type of car. Very specific, like make and model. Okay. Uh, 2003 light blue Honda Civic. Registration Nevada <laughs> license plate R4673. That information's unnecessary. All right. Uh, can I get a item in a car? An item like in a car? Like steering wheel, like a part. Yeah, the cigarette lighter. Okay. In a 2003 car, they probably don't have them anymore. But this person, addicted to nicotine, vapes weren't invented yet. He got desperate, and he jerry-rigged his own cigarette lighter. Nice. Can I get a nationality? Nationality is where you're born, right? Ethnicity is like... Yeah, like... Your ancestors. uh, Egyptian, that kind of thing. So, nationality, obviously Cuban. Nice. Um, Something essential to life. Something essential to life. Um, What's... Purpose. Nice. Purpose. Okay, okay. Can I get a verb, please? Verb? Yes. Obviously is uh, shoot. All right. Can I get a word that describes the weather? Cloudy. Okay. See, what the audience doesn't understand is when I edit out all these weird silences, it took me three seconds to come up with the word cloudy. <laughs> right. that, was, that was me trying to think of any other high-end word. And I'm like, can't think of anything. Nope, just go, to, just go with cloudy. Just go with cloudy. Um, which is going to make that part of the Mad Lib super du- normal. It's not going to stick out at all. Okay. Can I get a noun? 
airplane. Okay. And can I get a location? France. All right. So this is going to be Beyonce's first song on her new album, Renaissance. And we Mad Libs the song, I'm the Girl. I have no point of reference for this song. So for all intents and purposes, I could have gotten the lyrics correct. You weren't even close (laughs) once. Not even once. Um, You know, my love is tiger. Don't need grapes for some freakness. I'm just angry all the time. I'm out of my mind. I'm Penelope. Hold on. (laughs) That one was pretty good, though. That one was pretty good. Um, Penelope on the weekend. I'm indecent. Let it stride. I be pulling up in my 2003 light blue Honda Civic with a cigarette lighter, losing my mind. BB beasting. Un-Cuban. I don't need no purpose. I've been shooting for my un-American Cuban life. Lights in these cloudy skies. Off the deep end. Yeah. Such an airplane. Why they let me in France. I pull relief in. So, hold on, what was that part you said about un-Cuban? It was supposed to be un-American, <laughs> and you changed it to un-Cuban, and it was, I, I'll, I'll re- say it normally now, and I'll let you know what you said. You know love is my weakness, tiger. Don't need drugs, grapes, for some freakness. I'm just high all the time. You said angry. I'm out of my mind. I'm tweaking. You said I'm Penelope. Freaking on the weekend, Penelope on the weekend. Hold on. No, okay, wait. Let's talk about that for a second. Tweaking is a verb. Yeah, but I thought it'd be more interesting if I just made it now. Okay. Because it works. Right. It works. And then everything else is irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. So I think for the, you, there's a second set, correct? Oh, you, yeah. You and I know one? you know this. Song. Okay. So what I'm going to do here is last time was kind of a, a grab bag, whatever. This time I'm going to actively try to make this song make sense. Okay. okay, so whatever you give me, I'm going to try to make sure that they stay related. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. Uh, actually, maybe not. Um, can I get a verb, please? Love. Okay. Um, can I get a time of day? We're going to be doing lots of time of days, so get used to it. Sunset. All right. All right. Um, verb. Past tense. Worked. Time of day. Sunrise. You completely switched those from what they actually were. Um. Oh no! Can oh, I no. get an adjective? Angelic. All right, that was a good safe move. Uh, and another one, please. Another adjective. Yes, sir. Um, demonic. All right. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> you know, in my head, it's kind of like you are angelic. My ex is demonic. You know, something like that. And another adjective, please. Neutral. All right. That's not going to make any sense. Um. Can I get? A noun. Um, you know what? Going back with a classic, airplane. An adverb. Actually, this is. Let's go verb. Let's go verb. Um, swing. All right. I mean, sure. Um, noun possessive. Okay. Um. Oh, my. Okay. Um, verb. Undress. Oh, jeez. This is. We're we're lost now. Time of day. We're lost. We're going to do time of day. <laughs> time of day. Um, the only time of day that's left is dusk. Okay. Which some might say is sunset. <laughs> um, can I get a noun, please? Cabinet. A adjective and a noun. Beautiful hair. Um, and two. Uh, I'll take a noun then. Actually, a two noun, nouns. Uh, two nouns? Yes. Okay. Now, actually, in the way that I've there's a specific this... way this has to go. They're not just regular nouns. Um, let's go adjectives, and I'll make them nouns. Do you know what I mean? So this will be like um, the beautiful, the fast, the furious. Let's do uh, the the kind-hearted. Nice play. And one and more. And I needed a, um, the well-read. All right. Well, are you ready for? <laughs> The Star Spangled Banner. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> Written oh, this on September 14th, 1814 by a 35-year-old lawyer and amateur poet Francis, Francis Scott Key. Here we go. Oh, say can you love by the sunset's early light. Yeah. Not bad. It works. What so proudly we worked at the sunrise last gleaming. Also kind of works. <laughs> Whose angelic stripes... 
and demonic stars through the neutral <laughs> fight. <laughs> hey, hey, I know I'm writing this song as I'm being held captive in the bottom of a ship, but I feel so neutral about this fight right now. <laughs> but those stars I are demonic. could not care either way. But those stars, those stars can f*** right off. <laughs> All right. Or the airplane, wasn't invented yet, we watched, were so gallantly swinging. And the my red glare, the bomb undressing in air. Which <laughs> I mean, is a weird take on exploding or bursting, as it was originally written. Gave proof through the dusk that our cabinet was still there. That one I just straight up got right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, say does that beautiful hair yet wave, which I guess works, or the land of the kind-hearted and the home of the well-read. Yeah, neither of those are true. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> beautiful. Oh, man. <laughs> well done. Hello, Harvard. I think you found your next poet laureate. It's me. Right. I don't even know who gives out the poet laureate anymore. All right, Craig, that concludes our uh, podcast libs. Haven't done it in 90 episodes. Uh, we'll <laughs> and see we if won't we do it again. see it again for another 90. <laughs> all right. Get out of here. Um, all right. Our one hit wonder is. Um, it's a it's a segment. It is a segment, but technically, it is a, technically a segment. Sure. Um, it's called. Um, I don't even know what it's called. I'm just gonna tell you the bit. I'm not good at the names if it doesn't come naturally. Okay. Which whatever. I'll come up with something. Um, just the the gist of it. It's it's a it's a classic hot potato one hit wonder where uh we're just gonna be coming up with stuff and it's phrases to the extent of like. You and me are like ice cream and chocolate syrup because we make each other sweeter. Stuff like that. So, like, you want the, there's like object one, we go together like object one and object two because of reason. All right, we'll just call this one peanut butter and jelly. Okay, that's what I was thinking about. Peanut butter like, and podcast or something. Sure, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's never coming back. It's never coming back. All right, I want to start us off with a banger. Sure. Okay. Um, you and me, <laughs> you and me are like Elvis and four months of constipation. Cause I'm never letting you go. I feel like I'm playing at a disadvantage cause you had time to come up with these. That is on. I just came up with that. Okay. I'm While you, you were, that's a pretty good freestyle. Yeah. Um, me and you are like heat and a gas blower. You can blow me. All right. <laughs> okay, I guess. It's, it's freestyle, um, man. You got to go with it. Yeah. You and me are like my Bluetooth headphones and my laptop. Because if there's a connection problem, it's usually my fault. Facts, though. <laughs> you and me are like the pharmacist and a teenager. Never prepared and always asking for a plan B. <laughs> Uh, you and me are like a blank CD in 2004 because you're always getting burned. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, you and I are like a teenage boy and that one comfortable pair of underwear he likes. He will. I already did. We will not let go. Huh? Uh, yeah. Hmm. A second analogy. Yeah. <laughs> A second analogy about not letting go. Neither of them incredibly decent. Um, uh, this joke doesn't quite work. Maybe we can workshop it. <laughs> Me and you are like your right eye and your left eye. Never in the same place at the same time. Me specifically? Yes. It only okay. works for you. Unless we're count, counting like a Medal of Honor winner who lost his eye in Afghanistan. <laughs> it works for me. I guess that works. Dan Crenshaw <laughs> and the hundreds of thousands of other people that only have one eye. <laughs> right. Um, you and I are like um, an extension cord in a college dorm. 
everyone tells me not to do it, but I'm gonna do it anyway. All right, all right. Let's do uh, let's do one more. Okay. You know, you're you and I are like my parents' computer. You haven't changed since 2004, but my parents still like you, I guess. You and I are like Kevin Jonas and the other Jonas Brothers. One of us is only here in case we get famous. <laughs> and uh, that's Peanut Butter and Podcasts. Uh, feel free to use any of those free of charge. And the only thing we ask is that you let us know how it went. You know, and uh, and if it's going to be bad, don't let us know how it went. It's not coming back anyway. So chill, bro. Yeah. Um, free balling. Um, do you have anything? Not a thing, bro. All right. Actually, uh, I have I have beef. Actually. Um. Oh. Okay. I... Hey, welcome to Permanent Good, where we encourage, foster, and nurture hostility. Alex, you have the floor. I uh I watched season eight and season nine of Archer. Now, if oh, you're not familiar no. with those seasons, they're the ones where they throw their entire scheme out the freaking window. Um. It's Dreamland and Danger Island. Okay, so before you go into it, Dreamland was my... I was so excited for Dreamland because Dreamland was the first season that I got to watch as it was airing. I had caught up at this point. And then... And Dreamland has one of my favorite aesthetics. I'm a sucker for that aesthetic. It's like a film noir, like, detective's style. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, it's rough, bro. See, a lot of people have told it's me, like, rough. hey, when you get to this section of Archer, it doesn't get better. Like, season seven, I think it is, um, is the last good season. Once you get to eight, they start doing weird stuff. I'm like, dude, it's Archer. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna, it's whatever. Everyone's like, no, the first couple seasons are gonna be the best, and then it'll trail off, and seven is the last good one. Dude, I... I have watched all till six, so seven was the first one that I'm seeing it for the first time. I'm like, okay, this isn't great. Eight and nine are trash, bro. They're bad. Yeah, because this is what I was talking about like a few episodes ago, I think it was, when I'm just like, eight and nine is relying so heavily on the inside jokes at this point that the rest of the script feels like filler until they can say a catchphrase again. Well, my problem with um, eight and nine is like, so it's dreamland, right? And it's danger Island. Those, what people don't understand is these are different characters with the same voice actors. Like they're like, we're going to put Archer, we're going to call him Archer, but he's going to have a different background, different set of skills. He's just going to be a different dude. And we're going to put Mallory in there and people are going to call her mother. That'll just be her nickname. And she's going to have a different views and different. It's just, oh, so we're just keeping the names and the voice actors and a general inside joke kind of of the original characters. But these people are going to be like, this person's going to be a butler now. And this person is going to be a singer in the bar. And this person's going to be a bartender. I'm like, oh, that's nothing like how it originally was. We're just making things up now. And I'm okay with that. Like, the premise was never what got me about it. I was okay with Archer becoming a show where they took these characters and kind of gave them, like, it felt like a one-shot of D&D, where it's like, you you kind of already know what you're doing, so we're going to give you new opportunities to play around and have fun in a new space. Except these new spaces did not get played around in. It was like, okay, what do we do what we've been doing with a different aesthetic? And so I feel like these seasons gave the show an opportunity to lend its style of humor to um, a different story. It's just that the story was never there. And so the because the story wasn't there, the jokes weren't there, and everything kind of fell apart. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with the fact that like it is something that is often explored in spin-off episodes. It's why like network TV will be like, you know what, we're six episodes in. Let's do a musical episode. Why not? Or be like, you know what, we're six episodes in. Let's do a, a throwback where we just meet all the characters' parents and we see it from their perspective. Or let's do a black and white episode. Or let's do a Christmas episode. It has nothing to do with the rest of the show, but let's just do it. When you dedicate an entire season and I have to watch eight to ten episodes now, it's when it gets on my nerves. Like, I don't have time for spinoffs. You know, do one episode, two episodes. But a whole season is a lot, bro. Well, th- 
the problem is that Archer shifted into an anthology series. And it really depends on how you feel about the anthology s- format of storytelling. Um, and I just think that it does not lend itself to Archer specifically halfway through the series run. Right. I think that it that they probably, if they wanted to do this, what they could have done is wrapped up Archer the show and then right. just had the same team work on an anthology comedy show yeah because we don't have closure for the other stuff so now i have to what's really driving me to watch the rest of it is like is he in a coma and he's just gonna have to snap out of it and i had to watch two seasons or three seasons of trash television to get there because i'll do it but just like i think they would have lost people if it was like scrubs right where scrubs had gave you closure and then they brought everybody back no one watched that last season like oh we already got our closure Uh, so maybe they're intentionally not giving us closure so we freaking stick around i that also kind of gave me some beef is that uh how both season eight and season nine were about him in the coma yeah and Um, they're two different things one's a film noir and one's like a a treasure hunt from the 1930 or 1940 uh for what it's worth um season 11 it looks like the episode ratings go up on imdb it's where they start averaging back in the eights i mean that means i have to do another season like this i, I just finished nine yeah. means i'm in 10 right now so i have to get through all of 10 and then do 11 so yeah thanks for three episodes bro still not as bad as the blacklist but <laughs> three seasons just burned for no reason fun yeah what about you man what have you been watching nope what have you been playing oh no i watched nope i watched oh. the jordan peele movie nope gotcha yeah. dude Sorry. i've heard My- <laughs> very good things especially about kiki palmer well allow me to be the first then <laughs> <laughs> um okay nope is about aliens, right? That's in the trailer. They talk about it in the press junket. The movie's about aliens. Right. This movie is so boring. Oh, this movie <laughs> is so boring. Oh, my God, Alex. This movie is so boring. Is it a long movie? No. No. Alex, it's not. So here's the, here's the premise, right? I mean, it's two hours and ten minutes. So, I mean, but like, it's not. It's, it's long not enough 2:30. for you to get bored and realize you still have 40 minutes left. <laughs> That This is true. This is true. Okay. Here's the premise, right? So Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya are siblings. They work on a Hollywood horse ranch. Weird stuff starts happening and they try to capture it happening, right? Interesting. They realize very early on in the movie, it's aliens. And so the point of the movie is them trying to figure out how to capture with a camera the alien activity happening. That's the movie. And oh boy, is too much of that movie trying to solve technical difficulties. Oh no. And so this movie, I think by, in terms of advertising, is supposed to be a horror movie. The second act, and only the second act, is a horror movie. Everything else is set up, and then the third act... I don't know what I would call it, but it's not horror. It's closer to an action movie. And so uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character, I felt, was emotionally boring. He had no range in the entire movie. And I don't know whose fault that is, if I'm being honest. Um, Because I've heard great things about Kaluuya. And I know Jordan Peele really loves working with him. But, like, his character just did not do it for me. But, like you said, Kiki Palmer, saving grace of the movie. She is fantastic in it. She brings such... She is this movie's sole source of energy. Whenever there is a scene happening and a character is giving any sort of energy, it is all Kiki Palmer's doing. So, she is probably the main reason I would tell someone to watch this movie, is for her character. Um... But that second act, like I said, it is a horror movie. I think it does a good job at building suspense and uh, creating a creepy environment and following through on some jump scares. So if the rest of the movie was like that second act, I would have been way more down to clown. And a lot of people are talking about how uh, the point of this movie is is about sending a message talking about toxic Hollywood practices and how people will sacrifice too much for the sake of 
filmmaking or for the sake of being a celebrity or something like that. Even if your message is noble, you still have to make a good movie. <laughs> right. Right. I love when I have to watch a movie and then be like, well, you don't even know what it's about. I'm like, it's, it's, I don't care what it's about. If it's a bad movie, it's a bad movie. And so maybe this movie is better on a second watch because I've watched some theories. I've seen some videos about connections, about stuff from the third act and how it related back to the first act. And I'm like, but there was a whole act of separation I had forgotten. Um, It's a flat five for me. Um, I would watch it again. I would give it another attempt. But in terms of seeing it in a theater, less than exhilarated by it. Flat five. That is disappointing. I'm still going to see it. Um, For sure. For sure. That is a bummer. And I also want to recognize this is not my type of movie. I am not the demographic of this movie. For most of the reasons. Okay. If there are three reasons that of the demographics, I am not of two of them. And so I, I want to recognize that as well. If if Jordan Peele movies are your jam, don't let me stop you from seeing it. I guess we'll see what happens. But interesting take. So now we're at the point of the podcast where Alex and I don't know what we're watching next week. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a long pause and we're going to come back with an answer for you, audience. All right, so we are back from our deliberation. We went for about 45 to 60 minutes. The judges still haven't been able to figure it out, but we are moving on to our next stage of life, which is parenthood. So we are watching the Steve Martin movie, Parenthood. It took us like three weeks to come to that conclusion. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You'd think uh, we'd be better at this. Hey, if your your first answer is usually the right answer. <laughs> What a waste. <laughs> All right, but that's next week. Um, oh, um, also, I want to do a plug real quick. Um, for July, uh, Small and Tall, we did an episode on our parents' favorite movies. I didn't even say the thing yet. We did an episode on our parents' favorite movies, which were The Breakfast Club, Warriors, Dirty Dancing, and Casino Royale. Um, The Bond movie? Yes, the Bond movie. Fire, dude. And then for August, we are doing movies based on Dark Horse comics. So we are watching 300, Hellboy, The Mask, and Sin City. Dope. So That's be awesome. if either of those interest you, uh, Small and Tall is the last Friday of every month, and I am very excited about it. Um, but until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.